meet you all tonight. In the precious name of our Lord, good to see you tonight. We'll just open our scriptures here tonight to John 2. We won't take any extra time. Thank you, musicians. Happy to be here tonight? Good. So am I. Sure hope you didn't just come just to put in some time. Came to receive something from the Lord tonight. Amen. I need you to really help me and pull. It's a little hot up here, brother Caleb. It might, sometimes things are said, they might sting a little bit. But for our... For our building up. Amen. But you tell me. As we look to the Lord here. John 2. We'll start in verse 13. And the Jews Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And found in the temple these that sold oxen and sheep and doves. And the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords. He drove them out all, all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. This is our precious Lord Jesus. Kind and humble and meek. In a little bit of a different setting here with a whip that he made. Now driving out the changers and overthrowing tables. Quite a scene that would have been, I'm sure. And he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Amen. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do not take your word lightly, Lord, tonight. These are your blood bought, your chosen ones, Lord, as we stand before them. Lord, we pray, Lord, you just be present And you would speak, Lord, to each heart, Lord. You'd anoint the ear to hear what you'd have to say to your people. And may, Lord, it just be a time that we can fellowship around your word and encourage each other. Or that we could press forward, Lord, in this last day we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 You may have your seats. I've just been pondering the uh, that verse... Actually, for a little while now, and we had a little bit of a meeting last month as Brother Ed met with uh, when Brother David Mayer was here. and We spoke about the project that he was working on, and he just quoted a scripture, and he quoted, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And it started to eat me up <laughs> at that moment, and I just started to ponder on that for a little while. And so uh, it's just a little bit of a burden out of that, where the thought has come, and just out of, out of the heart of what the Lord's put on my heart to speak about tonight. And, I just want to speak about rekindled zeal. What exactly is zeal? So we'll just talk about that a little bit and we'll move through the message. So zeal is a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Okay, great energy. It's fervor in spirit. An ardor in embracing or pursuing or defending anything. It's quite the word. Okay? It's got a lot of synonyms. If you want to look at the synonyms, there's a lot of synonyms that zeal can represent. From passion, to committedness, to fervor, to fire, and avidity, fondness, and verve. I love that word verve. 
Whoever's, who's heard the word verve before? Well, you did tonight, not many. Verve, synonym of zeal, amen? <laughs> you haven't heard vim and verve before? <laughs> Say that ten times real fast. But I'm just, that's what I've been thinking on. And even ever since I enjoyed it, going back, this I haven't spoke this year, this is the end of the month. But even back to watch night, I just had a wonderful time. The year started out such a, for me, I just enjoyed it. I loved coming and just worshiping the Lord and having a, a, a wonderful time in his presence. And I believe, as I spoke to a couple ones, that's, we can't enjoy what we believe. I don't know why you're here. It's really, you know, just filling a pew and wasting time is what you're doing. You know, if you're, if you're not here to enjoy and to put in your time and effort and say, Lord, I'm here to worship you. Amen. So we're here with some, with some zeal. Now, there's a lot of zeal in this in this in this planet, and if it doesn't take quick to figure out that the world is consumed with certain things, and there's uh, right now it seems that if you hit any news page, there is such a zeal for politics, it, it, it's overwhelming actually, and actually just straight up frustrating. Is there more than just politics news on this planet? There's a lot that goes on in this world, but some web of these places only care about politics. They are passionate about it. Okay, they're driven. That's all they do. They think. They eat, sleep, and breathe about what Trump's going to do and what his next move is going to be in the States or, you know, what's going to happen to Brexit or, you know, name it. Pick your topic. Pick your country. There's people that are committed to just politics. That's their passion. We're passionate. We have a, a very environmental, very green country here. You know, at least we think that way. And they want us in there. And there's people that are passionate about our environment. In fact, the term... I might have somebody correct me, but we have a term that's called a tree hugger. Cause, and it actually originated, so I'm told, because over 300 people back in, I believe it was India, Ruth might even go find me on this one, but they actually hugged trees and they were killed because they're trying to save a certain population of trees in their area. And they were killed. And that term apparently originates from that area. But they were so passionate, they were willing to lay down their life down for a tree. That's some zeal. That's some passion. That's some fervency in their spirit for a certain objective. We've got people that are seriously passionate about business. Work. Consumes them. Day in, day out. In fact, just not too long ago, Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, got in, got a little bit of heat on the news because he sent an email out at 1.20 a.m. in the morning to his whole company. And like, what are you doing sending an email to your company at 1.20 a.m.? Well, because he's driven... To do something. He's passionate. He has such zealousness for his company to build affordable clean energy products at a scale necessary, he says, requires extreme effort. This is quote from his email to his to his staff of thousands. And relentless creativity. Extreme effort and relentless creativity. He said, but succeeding in our mission is essential to ensure that the future is good. So we must do everything we can to advance the cause. At 1.20 in the morning, he's passionate. He's zealous. About his work. Of course we would be. Missing something if we didn't say people weren't passionate in their sports. And so just in looking at who's passionate about their sports. One one thing struck me. It was a, a fellow that was a pitcher. And he talked about what it took. To become an elite athlete. And work in the pro realm. And he was driven. He said he'd do 10,000 pitches a year for 20 years. There's a lot of pitches. And he said, if you don't have what it takes to just try and incrementally improve that pitch every single time, you don't have it. 
There has to be a level of fervency to drive them to do what it takes to get to that level. Amen? It's not one day a week training. It was an everyday. He said, you have to, you have to go through the ridicule. He said, man, he said the, the media and the coaches and he went through a couple of experiences where he would just torn to stretch, uh, shreds. Yeah, strips and shreds in a, in a locker room because he actually lost the game. They threw him into the, into the pitch, into the mound and he pitched, lost the game and, and his coach could be heard inside the other office just telling the other coaches why did he get put on the mound and he's sitting there with all his guys and feeling the shame. But he said you had to be willing to go through that to make it to that level. They're committed. Same fellow went through 12 Advils a day for an entire season to keep himself on the field. He drank water with his hands shaking between innings and is mentally and physically exhausted by the end of it. But to keep his job, he had to perform that way. So I'd say they're pretty passionate, pretty zealous about their, about the things of this world. That's not a bad thing. Drive is not a bad thing. Okay? And Ecclesiastes says, whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might. Thank you, Brother Frank. <laughs> Since for there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So, whatever you're going to do, do with your might. Do with passion. Do with zeal. Okay? I find, in fact, we could use some of that. Some of our, you know, just some of our younger crew could use some life. Life is good. <laughs> Okay, so you can see all the, you know, you say, well, that's all this thing they do in the world and all the, you know, all the energy they, they emit, but there is a positive aspect to zealousness, you know. So, but when we get zealous about the things of God, somehow things can change. You get someone that's really passionate and people kind of, whoa, you know, where is this, where is this person going, you know, and, and you can get a little bit leery. Well, that's, you know, you're a little bit too strong here. That's a little, but, but yet they can be passionate to 120 AM emails and 10,000 pitches a year, hug trees and die. But yet when someone gets passionate and zealous about what, about God, about Christ, about what he's done for them, it's like, ooh, you know. It's, just don't know, it's, it's way religious, you know, over the top. Right? It's, just, it's, it's kind of strange to me. So we're just going to talk about this a little bit. Spurgeon said, if sinners are zealous in their sins, should not saints be zealous for their God? If the things of time can stir human passions, he said, should not the realities of eternity have a greater, more tremendous moving force? Amen? I say amen. Right? We have something worth living for. We're fighting for, right? We're dying for, and not trees and not money and certainly not 120 AM emails. Amen? We have something to, something to live for. We have a passion for Christ. So it, what exactly? I'm just going to talk about the Christian characteristics of real Christian zeal. Christian zeal will follow the word of God all the time. If your zeal doesn't line up with the word, it doesn't matter how much energy you have, how passionate you are, if it is not exactly lining up with this, it's wrong. Dead wrong. And I could, I could be passionate about going a certain direction, and I am going to a certain place. But if I'm going the wrong way, it doesn't matter how zealous I am to get there. If I'm going the wrong way, I'll never get there. I'm dead wrong. Okay? So if you're off the word, your, your zealousness is offline. 
Romans 10 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that it might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. It was misaligned. The Pharisees were zealous, seriously zealous. They made sure that they had followed the law to the letter and ensuring that they were not off the law at all. But yet then they crucified the king of glory. And they missed that in their zealousness. Right? They thought they were zealous for the right. And here they were actually crucifying our Lord. But Abraham, he says, he's talking about false anointed. He said, they preach salvation, deliverance through the power of God, just like Judas, with a ministry imparted by Christ. But because they are wrong seed, consequently, they have a wrong spirit motivating them. Religious? Oh my, he says. They outshine the elect in effort and zeal. And don't we see that? We see many religions and many ones that are passionate about their, about what they believe. They outshine, in many cases, maybe how, how we are about our, what we believe. Amen? He said, but it's a Laodicean. It's not of Christ. For it looks for crowds and programs, startling signs amongst them. They preach the second coming of Christ and deny the advent of a prophet messenger. This is from the resume of the ages. And through power and signs and true revelation, he eclipses them all. Yes, this false spirit that in the last days so close, to the real can be distinguished only by deviation from the word. Amen. So true zeal will always align with the word. True zeal is not a flash in the pan. It's constant. Okay. It's unwavering. Now it's not, doesn't mean you're having to say amen at the top of your lungs every single service. That's not a, that's not uh, any bearing on whether you have real zeal or not. But there's something that's constant there. It'll continue to move you forward. Amen? I've seen over the years a lot of what we'd consider really super spiritual people. And are really super zealous. But I have to say more often than not, most of them go away. Because it does, it, it's just a, a phase or, or it's, something, it's not real. And so it's just a facade out there. And it's not a real true zealousy. It's something that happened inside. And so when there's that over-emotion, it's over the top, sometimes it's not necessarily that it's gone really deep. And it's just an emotional, temporary zeal. Zeal doesn't boast. It doesn't look for recognition and acclaim. I just think of even Brother Vernon that was here and all the different ones that go into... We never heard of the different ones that are going into Laos and Cambodia and Vietnam and these different places. And they're burdened, they're passionate, they have a zeal for the things of God to get this message out, to save a soul. But have we heard of them? No, we haven't. It doesn't boast itself. Because there's something deep inside driving them. Amen? A passion. And true zeal won't will always align with the word and it won't harm the bride. It won't cause confusion or distraction or disputation. It won't, it won't, you can have a great desire, but if it's, if it's of God, it won't cause disorder. It's going to, again, align with the word. Amen. A zealous man is of one, of one thing. It's not enough to say that he's earnest and, and hearty, uncompromising and all these different terms. But he's swallowed up with one thing, and that's to please God. Whether he lives or dies, health, sickness, rich, poor, pleases man, gives offense, he's, he's thought wise, he's thought foolish. His focus is how can I please the Lord in ensuring that he's doing it and never deviating from his word. He burns for one thing, and that's to please God, to advance God's glory. He's consumed to the very burning. He cares not for his own, 
for he's content. And he's like a lamp that he would like to be burned and burned up and consumed in the burning. But he has but done the work for which God appointed him. So one will always find a sphere for his zeal. Such one. And if he cannot preach, work, give money, he'll cry, sigh, and pray. If he cannot fight in the valley with Joshua, he'll do the work of, with Moses, her, and Aaron on holding up the arms of somebody that can. Amen? He won't rest till help is raised from another quarter and the work is done. All of this and never deviating from the word. That's a true zeal of a, of a true Christian with zeal. We've had lots of examples. World, we've talked about some worldly ones. We have lots of examples of those that were zealous in the scripture. For me, David, a man after God's own heart, is one I, my mind instantly goes to when I think of someone that was just, just zealous for the things of God. Amen? Right from a little ruddy boy, he took that sling and charged forward into the giant's face with a sling. To me, that was a deep, Passion, knowing his God was going to save him from the enemy. Amen. Amen. That David had, he was zealous. But I, what I enjoyed, what I do enjoy about David is that he was always quick to repent. Right? His zealousness was there, fiery, but when he went online, Lord forgive me. I do, I, I always appreciate that about David and his zeal. You could, you think of Phineas. Phineas had some zeal. Not something generally we talk about a lot, but if you ever read Phineas's story, it's actually quite, quite incredible that what Israel was doing, and when you read the scriptures, actually right in the face of Moses and the whole, whole body of Israel as they were weeping about what was happening in Israel. And right in front of them, one of the princes takes a woman from, was it Midian? Midian, right? And into a tent. And here Phineas sees that. He said, this is not happening. Something inside of him started to boil up and said, this is got to stop right here. What did he do? He took a javelin, went straight into the tent, and he cut off the plague at that moment and killed the two. That was some serious zeal. It wasn't. You, I don't believe that was the easiest thing Phineas ever had to do. That's probably one of the toughest things Phineas had to do. But something burned inside of him. This must be done. Paul had zeal. Five times, 39 stripes. Scripture says 40, you save one. Thrice beaten with rods. Once stoned. Thrice shipwrecked. Day and night in the deep. Perils in water. Perils of robbers. Perils by my own countrymen. Paul went through a lot. Went through an incredible amount just to get this word to the people. Amen. That first church age messenger to deliver what the Lord had put on his heart that we've enjoyed now. And thousands of Christians, if not millions of Christians have benefited from the, what Paul strove to do through a zeal that caused him to go through all of those circumstances. Amen. These are examples. Ruth, Esther, if I perish, I perish. We heard Brother Ernie about Esther. There's something that had to well up inside her. If I perish, she's willing to go to the end. Amen? These are examples. Now, who's heard of Antipas? Where's Antipas in the scripture? Right. Do we know what Antipas did? We don't. <laughs> we know that he was a faithful martyr. 
Nothing is known of him. But he was fervent in his spirit, steadfast and driven to stand for his God. We know nothing about him, but God put him in scripture, in revelation, as my faithful martyr. And he names him. God names him. Amen? Put your name there. You might not, who knows what you did. You don't, you don't, I didn't do all these things that Phineas or David or different ones. But you could be an Antipas. God, you know, God, nobody knows what you've done, but you've got a burden, a zeal, something driving you inside. God knows your name. Amen? There's another book, another book that'll open up and it'll say, Richard Drake. Amen? Because God knows the driving zeal inside you to stand in this age. Amen? As Antipas did then. Amen? I love Antipas. What did all these have in common? They had a drive, a desire to serve and please the God that was in them. And they took Satan's kingdom by storm. If we went through through the ages and through the scriptures, time and time again, different ones that had a burning zeal for God, driven to do something, completely did damage to the Satan's kingdom. Amen? What true zeal can do can take take Satan's kingdom down. So Satan's not going to allow that, is he? He's going to work hard to try and minimize or remove the zeal and passion and drive inside of a true believer. Okay? He's zealous too. Satan's zealous. He's not just going to sit back and be, let, let this happen. So he's now on his own drive to figure out, how do I deal with this? What do I do? How do I take the zeal out of these people that are combating my kingdom. Well, he's got to remove that from you. And how he does it in this day, in one way that we'll just talk about, is the cares of life. To try and remove our zeal. And cares of life, they're not bad things. Uh, we, we experience them every day. In fact, I experience them just even trying to prepare for our service. As you're just, you have life. And the constant cares of life, and they can get in the way, and you have to be combating that. And okay, so we'll talk about that. We have cares. In fact, my wife and I were talking a few days ago, and we chuckled because someone, I guess, on the internet has said something. He said, is it, "Is it January the seventy fourth? Because it felt like such the longest January on the planet." And one other person said, "January was such a long year." I'm so glad we made it through. <laughs> it's because people just have toils and cares. And, and five Mondays doesn't do, it doesn't uh, make it any better, but we get burdened down with life, right? We get burdened down with life. We have family burdens. We have family burdens. Amen. And they, they, they wear on us and they take our time and our, and demand our time. We have loved ones that need care and attention. We have children and school and activities. We work. We have to work. Indeed, and trying to make ends meet here in, in this end of the world is not as simple as maybe other ends of the world. And many on maybe one income, maybe we have single single parent homes, and we have maybe wives that are trying to supplement in some way or something like that to try and get through here in this in this age. We've cares. Husbands working multiple jobs or getting home late, children wanting some time and you're constantly on a treadmill of life. You've got school, kids have got school and you got homework. Teachers, you want to minimize the homework? 
but it builds up and it builds up and it creates just cares of life that start to whittle away at our time. And that's all Satan's trying to do is just whittle away a little bit so we can just keep you occupied so that your zeal and your drive for the things of God start to be taking backseat. Right? And you just start to grow cooler. And then little things start to slip. And that small amount of time that you were squeezing out is now getting less and less. And now it's consumed with social network feeds and every account that you're trying to keep up with. And you're now down at nothing. Absolutely down to nothing. And because you've slipped away and it's grown cool, then the things just start to creep in. And you start watching things you shouldn't from those feeds. A little bit of makeup slips in. Or you start doing something to your hair. Fashions creep in. And all these different things encroach in your life. And unless you take a step back, you're doing things that five, ten years ago you'd have thought you'd never, ever do. Just because the cares of life have just grown colder. Not, Not that it was sin. These aren't bad things. But they took up your time. And now... You've pulled, pulled back. And what used to be fervent, zeal, and, and a desire for things of God has just become backseat. So it's a time, that's why we come to church. <laughs> like I said, some things are hard to, hard to speak, but we're just, we're in an age that is making it very difficult. Satan is driving hard to do just this. To remove your zeal and drive for God. Because that's all he needs to do is get you and we'll get there lukewarm. It's all that matters to him. It's lukewarm. Amen? Okay, so you'd have to do a checkup on yourself. You say, well, where am I? Who do I hang out with? What do I listen to? What am I watching? Where's my mental, what's my, what's my media diet? My, you know, what's my influence? You can just a quick look at who you're following on your Instagram. You'll know exactly what your, what your influence is. That's the simplest thing. Just whoop out your phone and say, who am I following on Instagram? Who's following me? I can tell you right away. Are you cooled off or not? You do that after tonight. You say, is that person uh, doing me any good? Probably not. Unfollow. It's not hard. You know, the parable of the sower and the seed. The thorns choked out the word. That's what the scripture said. And the word is life. I mean, the scripture says the words that I speak unto you are, they are spirit and they are life. Man, they choked out the life and they became fruitless. The cares, and that's what the, the scriptures called it, the cares of the world. It fell on ground, it grew, but the cares choked it so that it became fruit, fruitless. And the fruit couldn't grow. But Abraham says, people... Don't believe in shouting. The thing is, they have, haven't got spiritual joy. And the joys of the waters of life can flow through them. He goes, that's the whole lot is matter with the brand tabernacle. He said, because of that unbelief, the cares of the world had bound the people until could not produce spiritual growth. Just the cares of the world. And he said, and they permitted the things of the world to dry up our experience with God. And man, just a time just to step back. Okay, just to step back a little bit. You know, first, it's good to recognize. If you can recognize 
I don't know if this was spoke on or someone said this. If you can recognize something or there's a problem somewhere, that's really the first part in trying to deal with it. Because if you don't recognize it, you're deceived. I'm just going to continue on. But if you can step back and be like, yeah, that is a problem. Well, now now you can move and you can action. Okay? So if you say, you know what? I am drying up or I am kind of cool. Well, here we are tonight. And we can now you can act on that. Amen? And the old frog in the pot, you know, he's boiling in the pot there. He has no clue what's going on because he's just been boiling. He dropped me in, turned the heat on, and he just slowly gets boiled. We all know the story, right? But what if I pulled the frog out and chatted with him a little bit and said, Hey, bud, you're in a hot pot. Brother Murphy, <laughs> you're getting boiled. And talk to him about it. And then drop him back in. It'll be really hot for him. You know, the heat's continued to rise while we chatted with the frog. And he's going to want to jump out. Because we've now told him, and he's been pulled out and said, Hey, it's a hot pot, get out. The frog's going to jump. Amen. Amen. So we're pulling you out tonight. Okay? We're saying, listen, maybe you're not where you should be. Maybe you're following something you shouldn't. Maybe you're getting dry. Maybe you're getting cold. And you can step out of that. And be like, yeah, maybe I am. And then let's act on it. What do I need to do? Amen? Recognize our condition. Recognize what you're up against. You're up against the devil that is pouring himself on this age. Okay? That's the whole spirit of this age is lukewarm. That's what you're up against. Okay? You're not going to do it on your own. You're not going to get through. You're going to need something inside of you that's going to drive you. It's going to be fervent in spirit to get you through this age. Amen? Satan is zealous to do this. But our God is a zealous God. Corinthians, two, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 says, For I am, a, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. This is Paul talking. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin of Christ, to Christ. Amen? That jealous actually is the same, goes from original, the Greek word, zealous, which is zealous. I'm jealous over you. I'm zealous for you. And that's Christ in Paul emitting a burning zeal for his bride. Amen? He, Christ, has gone through what he's gone through. What God has done now through these ages to try and to bring a bride forth, to me, is just the epitome of zeal. When you look at it, and I've been reading through the church ages, just in preparation, and what, what God has labored through the ages, and you look at the, if you just read and you go to Revelations, which we will a little bit here, we'll try and speed through. And he starts with Ephesus. And they leave their first love. Right there at the beginning. They leave their first first love right even at the start. Their fervent desire to please God. The passion to know his word. The crying for reaching out in the spirit all begins to fade. Right at the beginning. Very first church age. Paul's just off the scene. All begins to fade. And instead of that church being on fire with the fire of God, it's cooled off. And it's become a bit formal. And Christ says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thy left, you have left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Amen. Amen. Do the first works is what he's saying. Go back to the beginning. Amen. So the first works is repentance or else I come quickly. We can step up a couple ages, begin to Pergamus. He says, but I have a few things against thee because thou hast them, hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So once again, God is working. With his, with the people as he's trying to bring out a chaste virgin to Christ through the ages. And constantly he's coming, Satan is driving hard to stop that. And God is working. He's zealous. He's going to have a people. He's going to call it a bride. Okay. Amen. So through it, 
who taught Balak and cast a stumbling block before you. He says, repent or else I come unto thee quickly and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Thyatira, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Again, age after age, God is saying, working, get back online. What's happening? And he's telling him, repent continually. Six, five out of seven ages, God tells the age, repent, go back. Turn around. Where are you going? Repent. Five out of seven ages. Notwithstanding, in Thyatira, a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, idol worship, who called herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants. I gave her space to repent. She repented not. Amen. This is what God labored through. He labored through these spirit after spirit, driving in each of these ages to try and minimize or take away the bride that God is trying to pull out of it. Sardis, I have not found that works perfect. Hold fast. Repent. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. For I have not found that works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, that thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Over and over again, God's saying, turn around. You're off. You're off. Get back to the word. Get back. Down through every age. Admonishment, encouragement, warning. And the Holy Spirit constantly battling with the enemy. With a fiery zeal, I will have a bride. I will have a bride. And through each of those ages, there was a bride. Bride was pulled out because they did do that. They followed the scripture. They were steadfast. They did repent if they needed to get back. And God had a bride through each age. Elect will heed the call for repentance. They won't get swallowed up. God sent messenger after messenger, servant after servant. To bring a people, to take a word to them, to take hold and draw them out. Amen. God wasn't going to let the devil just stomp all over what he's trying to do. He's got a, he's got a zeal inside of him. He says, I have somebody. I, have, I know my name. He knew Richard Drake. He knows a Jeff Wallman. He knows a Margaret Florin. He says, I'm going to pull them out. Amen. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things say at the amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. And thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Pretty forceful words that are written for this age. Who likes milk? Cold, very ice cold milk. Is good, yes? Many people drink a lot of coffees with a lot of heated steamed milk. Good. Who likes lukewarm milk? You spew it out of your mouth. It's nasty. I don't like milk in the best of times. I can't even imagine what that is. But lukewarm is nasty. And God said, I would rather you're cold and you have nothing there Or that you are burning hot. But this lukewarm business, I'm done with. Spew it out of my mouth. Strong words. Strong words. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increased with goods, and need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What an age we live in. What was wrong is people had gotten away from the word, and they're no longer fervent about it. But Abraham says they're lukewarm about it. Yeah. Quote, Laodicean church age. They've gotten away from the word 
And they're no longer fervent about it. And they're lukewarm. Such a detestable thing to God. He spews those that aren't fervent out. But there, that's for the denominational systems that was falling, and Brother Bram says, into complete apostasy, where they'd com- pulled away completely from all that God was trying to deliver to the church and denied it all. He says that there's a, there was a, there's a false vine and there's a true vine. Brother Bram says, in the early church, the false vine got to intertwine itself with the true vine. And we find the deeds of the Nicolaitans way back there. And that spirit's going to be found fighting the true vine until it's destroyed by God. Okay, it's going to be fighting the true vine. So you're going to be fighting against this. This a lukewarmness. This world that's going to press itself hard, as hard as he can, on the true vine. You're not going to be completely, well, I'm, I'm not part of those systems. I'm not going to be, no, no. He's, you think Satan's going to, he's not worrying about those that he already has. He's worrying about you. That's who he's focused on. Amen. That's why the scripture says, come out of her, my people. Amen. There's no, I just had it, uh, I think I skipped it here. Each age, whatever I'm talked about, each age, the cycle of an age. And he said it, in the generations of Israel, we see the revival in one generation, only we see the fires fade in the next. In the third generation, embers may be glowing slightly. And in the fourth, there's no vestige whatsoever of that original flame, and God lights the fire again. He said that, and the same process is repeated. It's simply the manifestation of the truth that God has no grandchildren. Okay, the Brother Brown is saying this. Or here at the end... There's no age to repeat the lighting of the fire. We're at the end. Okay? So we're at an end where it's complete darkness. Complete and total abandonment abandonment of the real belief. Okay? They've pulled the church world is pulled away. But what does God do to combat this? Again, we're talking about a zealous God. Constantly trying to brood, constantly trying to send something. What do I need to do? And he brings full restoration. Amen. He said, there must be a bride in this last age. It might be total darkness, but I'm going to pull out of that a people that will believe my word, be fervent, their desire burning inside of them to never deviate from this word. Amen. He said, so at the end of this age, I'm just going to read this because this is incredible. I love it. I'm, he says, at the end of this age, I'm spewing you out of my mouth. It's all over. I'm going to speak all right. This is God, Brother Bram speaking on, in, uh, as, Lord speaking, I'm going to speak all right. Yes, I'm here in the midst of the church, the amen of God. And faithful and true will reveal himself and it will be my prophet. Oh yes, is that so? Revelation 10, 7. And in the days of the voice of the seventh messenger, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. We know this. But may, may it become more of a reality of what the importance of what happened in this last age so that you aren't lukewarm. There it is. He is sending a vindicated prophet. He's sending a prophet after almost 2,000 years. He's sending someone who is so far from organization, education, and the world of religion. That is John the Baptist and Elijah of old. He will hear only from God. And he will have thus saith the Lord. This is for me and you. This is to call us out. Amen. He'll be God's mouthpiece. 
as it is declared in Malachi 4, 4, 6, will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. He will bring back the elect of the last day and they will hear a vindicated prophet. Give the exact truth as it was with Paul and he will restore the truth as they had it. And those elect with him in the day will be the ones who truly manifest the Lord and be his body and his voice and perform his works. Powerful. Glory. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for this message. May it become a bit more of a reality of what what it means, why it came. Because we would be just as they would be lukewarm. Concerned with the cares of this world and spewed out of the mouth of God. That message is our protection from that. It saved us from a lukewarm age. Amen. Ephesians says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. My message is calling awake thou that sleepest. Maybe you're sleeping. I'm saying and crying out, awake. The next scripture in Revelations, wherein I counsel thee to buy of me, Christ speaking, me. Come to me and buy of me gold tried in the fire. But Abraham said, it's Christ saying, I am the hope. Come to me. I am the one. I can relieve your burden. Gold, character. Tried through fire, thou mayest be rich, white raiment, thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint the eyes with eyesalve, the Holy Spirit opening your eyes to see the things of this world. That's who you need to run to. I counsel thee to buy of me. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The last bit to the Laodicean age. Be zealous, therefore. And repent. Don't get lulled in this age. Be willing to examine your walk. Look in your heart. Elect will be quick. To say I'm wrong. So Brother Brown says, church ages. He says, it's not just calling out to the church. But he's calling out to the elect. Repent. Call them out. And they'll be the ones that say I'm wrong. And turn to Christ. There, sometimes these things aren't easy to do. But that's why we come to church. That's why we're here. Because Laodicea is pressing hard. To bind us. To encrust us. In its just cares of life even. And draw us away. And so we come to church. Scripture says, as many as he loved, he rebuked and chastens. It's not easy to chasten. It's not easy to take that. But every son and daughter has to go through that. And so we come to church to examine ourselves. And the word can come across and it can examine where we're at. Amen. Because our God is jealous. And he wants his wife pure. He wants her virgin and chaste. Nothing in the world in her. Amen. Altogether his word. Part of him. And we must be part of the word. Not part of a creed. Not part of the world. Not not part of a church. A part of the bride. Amen. So the bride won't be lukewarm. Amen. The bride won't be lukewarm. Amen. We know we're part of it. If we're bride... 
You are because the bride is part of the groom and you know, so we find out that's the same thing. She'll do exactly what's predicted of her in this day. She won't be Laodicea. No, not by no means lukewarm. So you will have a zeal, a fervency, driven, passionate about the things of God. And that's a good thing. (laughs) It's a good thing. Let them be passionate about the world. Let them be passionate about the work. And you do that too. You drive. If you have, if you're zealous for the things of God, I should expect you to be also be willing to do everything as Ecclesiastes said with all your might. Be a lively bunch. Amen. God's bride will be zealous. And they'll be the ones that repent. They'll shun this age and recognize the deathly fingers of, of lukewarmness encroaching on their lives and they'll reject it. Amen. Recognizing that is just coming into my life and reject it. Okay? Recognizing what, what Satan's trying to do. But the verse after that, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. What humility and mercy of our Lord through all these ages as he's worked and he strove to bring a bride out of these ages. And here we have need of nothing in the Laodicean age. They've pushed, but around him said pushed him out. And now he's standing on the outside. And he's knocking. Dr. Bram said he's trying to make himself known to the church. And they pushed him out. And he's knocking. He said, is anybody there? Would would somebody open the door? I'm here here to talk to you. That's our God. That's the king of glory. He's knocking on a heart. He said, I'd like to come in. Would you open the door to me? You know, what would we do? But Abraham talks about what would we do if it was someone of great fame. Put a name there. Everybody's in a different zone. Everybody has someone that they would love to see at their door that would completely make their day of some celebrity. And they come to the door. You'd open the door so fast. Or what if you were at the door trying to approach and you had something special for somebody and yeah, no, another time and they didn't, they didn't come to the door. You probably wouldn't even go back. But Abraham talks about this, but God, he's continually knocking. I'm still here. I'm still here. Amen. He's knocking on the door. Wanting to commune with his bride. Saying, who will open the door to me? And many maybe have shut the door and they've shut the windows. And they've just drawn away and they become cool. And they become lukewarm. And their zealousness is just their zeal for God. And their desire is just slowly gone to almost nothing. But you know, there's an interesting phenomena called backdraft. And backdraft happens when there's a big fire and the fire, it gets closed and there's uh, everything is shut and there's nothing. The fire inside a room burns up all the oxygen inside the room. And it's basically consumed everything and without that oxygen, it can't burn anymore. So it's just down to this ember. But the moment oxygen is brought into that room, there is a combustion of mammoth proportions. It's called backdraft. And I thought about that in reading the scripture. At the door. I stand at the door knocking. And maybe 
someone's doors and the windows of their life have just been closed and sealed off. And that oxygen, that breath of life has just been consumed and there's nothing there to stir up the fire. Open your door tonight. Allow the breath of the Holy Spirit to come through. Blast through. There'll be a combustion in your life. Amen. It's not that there's anything missing. There's still some fire there. So when that oxygen comes in, your life will explode back. And the life of God will start to flow through. Amen. A spiritual backdraft can happen tonight. Just answer this. Just answer the door. Amen. Why do we labor? Why do we toil? Why why do we preach these things? And expend energy and sacrifice people and sacrifice opportunities and you're scorned by your families. Hurts and pains you've received on your journey. Because inside you there's something burning. There's a desire to do what it takes. What what for? I was just reading the reading message and Brother Brown starts to describe the city. And he starts to describe it being fifteen hundred miles high, fifteen hundred miles wide. The walls he says, 216 feet tall. I said, Lord, we're laboring. There's a, there's a city whose builder and maker is God. Hey Amen. That's what we're going for. We have a city that we're going to. Abraham walked not knowing where it was. Our prophet gave us vivid, vivid details of what we're laboring for. What the zeal, what it is to come, come out of this age because God's got something for you. Hey Amen. This world's not our home. He talks about the giant gate, gigantic gates of pearl. Raised, he said, and hinged. Jesus sits on the throne and the lamb is the light and out from under the throne flows water, river of life, trickling down these four walls and little chasms and into little branches. Come and form up the river, then down through the city and it'll go through the streets. Each side stands trees of life and they'll bear fruit, changing every 30 days, he says. He says, oh, what a city. Don't miss it, is what he said, friends, amen. He said, the lion and the lamb will lay down together, the lion leaves straw and bear will be gentle, no hurt. Peace, love, no more tears, no more pain. Amen. No old age, no more sickness, no more dying. Amen. But Abraham said, the heavenly beings who have been, who have prepared her watch breathlessly, for she glistens and shines with glory that is unearthly. Every facet of her beauty tells a story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. And she's a city prepared, prepared for a prepared people. Amen. She only awaits only for inhabitants and as soon as they uh, soon they will throng her streets with joy it says yes it's the last call the spirit will sp- not speak in any other age the ages are over but he says but thank god at this moment the age is not over and he's crying i stand at the door and knock amen amen so we can make this great city musicians you can make your way There's nothing in this world, friends, that can compare to eternity and what that will be like. Brother Brown said there's not even a width of a knife blade. Measure that. Not a width of a knife blade between the end of this age and the coming of Christ. And I'm just so thankful that we actually have an opportunity to still have that knocking on the doors. An opportunity to step back and recognize, Lord... Am I growing, am I growing cool? Am I, am I, am I getting lukewarm? And this be zealous therefore and repent. The elect will say, Lord, if so, I'm wrong. I'll just, I'll just turn around from that or I'll, I'll recognize that and I'll just, I just want to move closer to you. 
Amen. I've been thinking about this service on Sunday. Just a closer walk with you. That's, that's what I want. An elect will have that bur- burning desire, Lord, whatever it takes. I want to make that city. I want to walk those streets of gold. I want to fall down at your feet. I won't go into it, but I just, the little woman who washed Jesus' feet is such a touching, touching part of scripture. Amen. We, we want to be there to do that to his feet and bow down and worship him. Amen. Said, so, Lord, rekindle the fire. Rekindle the fire. Amen. Why don't we stand? It's this thing creating me a clean heart. And that's David's desire was, Lord, creating me a clean heart, oh God. He was a zealous man. He did a lot of things for God, but the moment he got offline, the Lord created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me, amen. Lord, if we could just have a zealousness, a zeal to have that desire. Thou didst desire my heart's desire tonight, amen. Let's just sing that. Oh, creating me a clean to me the joy of my salvation now, I'd be wrong if you, to not even just give an opportunity just to respond to that maybe you felt weak you've gotten lukewarm or you've just gotten cool David came to a point and he said Lord restore unto me the joy he didn't lose his salvation. He just had lost the joy. He said, Lord, restore. If we could, you just want to lift up your hand. He said, Lord, we can bow our heads. He said, Lord, just restore unto me the joy. May we be fervent in this wicked age that we can be that bride. We know we are. We know we're called out. Lord, we just want that joy to be restored, that zeal in our life, the fervency. 
is Ephesus was told to go back to that first love. Go back to that time. That's why we come to church, saints. So God can move amongst us and can brood upon our hearts. We can lift up our hands and say, Lord, I want that fervor back. I want the passion back for you. Brandon prayed. He said, Lord, and I'll pray it tonight. It's for my heart, Lord. Lord, Holy Ghost, come. He said, among this people. Tonight, Lord, start a Pentecost right here. Grant it, Lord, he said, in every heart. Truly they want to. He said, it's in their hearts. I believe that. But the cares of the world and the swiftness of passing of time had just wooed them out. Lord, start from this pulpit. Start from this pulpit from me, he says, and I'll echo the prayer. Lord, from this man to the audience, move like never before and give us a zeal for lost souls. Lord Jesus, we just lift our hearts tonight. Lord, just desiring that you would consume us, Lord. The world would not enter in, Lord, into every little aspect of our life, Lord. And Lord, you'd break the bonds, Lord, that would cause lukewarmness, just the cares. We can recognize that, Lord, we'd open the door. Maybe someone needs to open the window and the door, Lord, and allow your spirit to breathe some new oxygen into their life, Lord. Lord, just combust their spiritual walk, oh God. Lord, You can do it in a moment, oh God. But Orion wrote this song, it only takes a moment. And Lord, you can change a life, oh God, that was dead to a living, burning fire, Lord. Brand for this kingdom, oh God. I pray tonight that you just take this little message. Kindle some fires, Lord. May we walk zealous for your kingdom, Lord, we pray. Bless your people, Lord. I love them. You love them, Lord. Never say anything that would hurt them, Lord. Or just would you speak to us and recognize, Lord, just you're brooding with your people. If anything was said amiss, Lord, may you just forgive me. May, Lord, you move amongst us. Bring us a little deeper. We could have that walk with you, Lord. Jesus Christ's name. Amen, Lord. Amen. I'm not going to hold you. Just let you linger a little bit and just talk to him. That's what we're here to do, to spend some time in his presence. Be a little early enough so you can you can do that. Not feel like you need to rush out and get home and sleep. We can just dwell a little bit more. Amen. Let's just sing that again. I'll let you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Create.